Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. You know, today is one of those messages that's dear to my heart that I didn't know would be that dear to my heart when uh, putting everything together until you really just look at it in the final touches and and, and then you get to preach it already today and get to do it again now. And, uh, the way the Lord speaks to us. And um, I, I really believe with all my heart that if you'll not listen to another thing that Pastor Scotty says this year, if you'll just take this first series, the first four weeks of the year, and if you apply nothing else to your life and you apply these steps, you're going to win. You're going to have your best year ever. I believe that. If you, if you ignore everything else I have to say this year, but you really, truly apply these four, first four messages, it'll change your life. And we're in part three of the best year ever, and today we're going to be talking about, I know New Year's resolutions, everybody wants to talk about how they can look better physically, you know, shed a few pounds and all that thing, all those things. That's good. It's all good. Your doctor will like that. But today I want to talk to you about spiritual diet matters. Your spiritual diet matters. So when we begin to look today, just at the scriptures today, they'll be throwing them up for you uh, here, but I know um, that some things sound too good to be true. And we're used to what I would call uh, failed resolutions, that we will do resolutions and they, uh, we just fail at them. I mean, we might do good for three weeks, we may do good for six weeks, and, but then also we fail at them, and the reason why is that our resolutions depend so much on our own willpower. But what you need and I need is a supernatural moving of God in our life. We really need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do some workings in our own spiritual lives. And that's one of the reasons why we fast. We, we, we do a fast every year, a corporate fast at the beginning of the year, is because we really are desiring God to do something big in our midst. If fasting didn't work, Jesus wouldn't say this kind comes by fasting and prayer. There are certain things that come by prayer. There are certain things come by actions. There are certain things come by, you know, you speak in life, but then some things come because you are fasting and praying. And your greatest, most supernatural things that will happen in your life spiritually comes by fasting and prayer. So today is day 15, and if you've not joined us, join us a day or two this week. It'd be great. Uh, but we're having a good time on them. I've seen, I've seen where people have shared photos with one another on the Daniel Fast. Uh, the last seven days, me and Chris has done the Daniel Fast. And that's new. We haven't done that in a few years. So that was different for us to go back and engaging full in the Daniel. And if you've never done Daniel before, it doesn't sound like it's hard. You eat all natural things. It's grown from the ground, fruits, vegetables, all that. I mean, you just get sick of it after seven days. And, and, and don't get me wrong, we're going back at it again today for day eight. But, uh, but it's one of those things that just messes with you after a while. Like, where's the meat? Where's the bread? Uh, and all those things, you're like, I don't even care if I eat. Uh, but that's what giving up, fasting is. And we've had some fun with it this week. But my wife is an incredible cook, and she makes it so awesome. She made a dish last night that knocked your brains out. And there's just a few vegetables. And I don't know if you like Brussels sprouts. And uh, what's the other one that we had with it? Yeah, butternut squash. Cut up, balsamic something, and she cooked up, poured over it, baked it, all this. And you already think it's gross, but man, it was unreal. Like, we'll add that with some uh, meat and potatoes later on. Um, so, but anyways, these four things we're talking over the next few weeks, or we have the last two. Today's part three. Next week, we'll end on it. But week number one, we talked about order and how there's so many things competing to be first place in your life. But all that matters, first of all, is, is that God's first. But this whole world is always competing that something will be before God and trying to replace. There's a throne in your heart that's only made for God to sit on. But we allow other things to sit on there. So we need to put God first, his kingdom, and seek his ways. Right? And then last week we talked about being part of God's economy. That there's an economy of the world, but we should be dependent upon it. We should be dependent upon God. We should financially sow the way God's called us to scripturally to be part of God's economy. 
Uh, and then next week we'll get to that. We'll talk about something else that matters. But we went money matters last week. Two weeks ago, order matters today. We are talking about spiritual diet matters. And, you know, each year we come up with these resolutions of how, you know, you want to lose weight or you think you should. And you got to get an idea of how to do it. And sometimes we stick with it. Sometimes we don't. But today isn't about how good you look in a swimsuit. It's about whether or not you can stay afloat in life. There's a lot of people just struggling to stay afloat. And, and, and so it's time to get a spiritual diet that we do more than just stay afloat in life. And it's not about the size of your waist, but it's the size of your faith. We need our faith to grow this year. We need to believe for greater things. Not just for our own lives, not just for our family, but for all those we come in contact with. People need to hear a faith word or a faith message. The healthiest choice you can make is to work your spiritual diet. Now, let's look at our first scripture today. Matthew 4, of course, says, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, that gives us something to think about. Why would Jesus begin to use food to describe God's word? I mean, Jesus is just a master teacher, first of all. He, you know, he's recognized as a rabbi in scripture, which means master teacher. And he knew how to break down practical steps. In fact, you know, I was talking with a pastor the other day. What would Jesus look like in today's society? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, him to get to talk, first of all, Jesus would probably be sitting and preaching and teaching, actually. He, he taught. His voice probably never, never got loud. He was just a teacher. In fact, I believe people probably had a hard time hearing him by just, you know, describing the scripture that everybody would have to quiet to hear him. I believe that you wouldn't be able to knock, knock the children off of him. Everybody may say, children, go to children's churches. I know, bring them saying, where's the kids? He said, bring the kids in there. I got to talk to them first. And just think about how well he taught and how he related. He used parables just to relate. But then Jesus, talking about the word of God, begins to use bread and food to describe God's word. The reason why he did it is to show us that God's word is a necessity. Just as food is to live, the word of God is to us for us to live spiritually. So because he wanted us to recognize that, do you realize that the Bible... That the Bible is indispensable. This book, I know that we don't carry these like we used to. I see it like a read from an actual Bible. I, I, like, I don't like to read a book online. I tried that for a year or two, and I, now I'll just order the book off Amazon. I need something physically I can bend, I can write, I can make notes in. And, and then I sent a study years later that if you have a physical book in your hands that you'll actually retain 30% more than reading something off of a tablet or off an iPad or off your phone. But whether you realize it or not, the Bible's indispensable to your faith. If you attempt to follow Jesus without it, you're not going to get very far. Your relationship to the Bible will determine if this is just another year or your best year. Now, each week we looked at the scripture uh, about Elijah. And just to give you a little bit more of a rundown, if you've not been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been looking in 1 Kings 17. There's this uh, spiritual drought taking place, idolatry to God's people. And just, you know, they, they kind of just ignored God and began to allow idols in their life. And because there's such a spiritual drought, God allowed years of a natural drought, physical drought to take place. So much that the animals were dying. The crop was dying. The economy was devastated because of it. People were in lack, and people was in starvation. And the, here we come to the passage, okay? Beginning 1 Kings 17, 2. It says, then the word of the Lord. Now notice the word. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the word of God today. It said, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. He said, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in care for vain east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to care for vain east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him food and meat in the morning, or bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, we understand there's a drought going on, but I have a question. How is it? Everybody else is in a drought. But here we find that Elijah is at the resort, the raven resort, is what I would call it because he's getting fed by the ravens, 
and he's hanging out, and everybody else is in famine, but food is easy for him. Now, food wasn't easy for folks back then. I like to think that the raven went to Jezebel and Ahab's house, took the food off their patio that they was getting ready to eat, and he would bring it in the morning and in the evening for Elijah to eat. Now, that's just my personal story because they was the ones raising up idols and raising up false prophets, and they was feasting in the kingdom while everybody else in the land was starving. So here's Elijah. He's feasting in a time of drought. What if the only difference in you having a year of famine or feasting is yet receiving God's word? See, many people look at God's word and they say, well, it's just boring. A lot of times we don't know how to digest or how to read God's word or how to allow it to enter our lives to make it interesting. Here's what I know is some folks feel like they're in a drought even now. I mean, even now as we're speaking, the season that we're living, I mean, we've all have had, you know, a crazy year last year and a lot of it's bleeding over this year. Your faith may be dry. Your emotions may be scorched. You're just maybe going through the motions. And it's so true. We do that. Maybe some of you are here today just hoping something different happens because your emotions are scorched. And you know church is a good thing, so I'm going to go. And you just get here. Just because you're faithful, you get here. Maybe you're engaging online just because you know you need it. And, and you're just, just doing it to be doing it. You're going through the motions, but really still yet not spiritually connecting. And you've wondered if you need to change jobs, neighborhoods, maybe even spouses. But you cannot figure out what the problem is. And you struggle. How could this be a good year? How can this be the best year ever? The problem is you're trying to live out the will of God without uh, being a part and without the word of God being in your life. And we try to force things and we try to live out God's world or God's life apart from his word, which you cannot do. And I told him in the first service that you cannot be more spiritual than you are scriptural. Think about that. You cannot be more spiritual than you are scriptural. I see some people that seemingly are, they're emotional and they seem spiritual. We sometimes mistaken emotionalism for spiritualism, but spiritual people are word people. They know the word. They know they, they've been in the Bible. They know that. Get yourself around people that are disciples and disciplined and knows the word and not around emotional people because emotional people will make you an emotional wreck. It's hard to live God's promises if you don't know what they are. That's why we get in his word. Now, from this account, notice the difference that the word makes. First was this. is God's word shapes me into the person I need to be. God's word shapes me into the person that I need to be. Now, while the nation was gripped by fear, Elijah had a growing faith. Everyone else is in fear. Elijah's faith's growing. He's receiving the word of God. He's hanging out at a brook. Ravens bring his food. The brook represents the Holy Spirit that works through our life. The word that God would give him, of course, came to was the word. But also then you find that he's getting meat, which represents food, the word of God. So we see spirit life and word life is right there in the perfect hookup for Elijah in this place of relationship with God. When everyone else is devastated and in starvation and drought and the economy had collapsed. This is my word to you today, is that everything can be collapsing around you, but you can be like Moses in the cliff of the rock, or like Elijah by the brook called Care, and while you're there, God is feeding you, and the Spirit of God is moving through you, and though everything's collapsing, you're in a place of feast. Amen. See, every time I read God's word, God's Spirit begins to sculpt me. And begin to chip a little bit here and mold me a little bit there. The word of God begins to work in my life like that every time I allow it to hit. And I told you earlier about worship. We don't, we don't have to feel God to worship. A lot, I heard people say, I'll shout when the shouter comes. Well, the shouter came 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. We should be shouting. The shouter's here. It's not about your feelings. It's about knowing. That's what we do. Don't get wrong. There's times that the Spirit of God comes upon you and you feel Him. And a lot of times we're like, I'll read God's Word when I feel it. No, you should read His Word whether you feel Him or not. You should find your time in His Word. And I'm going to teach you a little bit about it today, but God's Word helps me become who God's designed me to be. Every one of us has 
a, a very specific, detailed design that God's made for us to be spiritually. And when we come to him, he's got his own markings for us and his own ways of sculpting us. How is that possible? The Bible says uh, the word of God is alive. That it quickens us. That the cuts where it needs to cut. It gets right down to the quick when you actually break it down. That the word of God, the Bible, is alive. And it says in John 6 and 63, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So the Bible, we have to understand, was penned by man, but it was authored by God. In other words, everything that the humanity that wrote it and penned it, God was the author by the inspiration, which in the New Testament says that the word of God came upon men, holy men of God, and inspired them. In other words, that God breathed upon them is what it meant, is that God's word was written because God breathed, which represents the Holy Spirit, and they penned it, but God was the ultimate author. This is a spiritual book. Now, you hear me say this a lot because I talk about spirit, soul, and body a lot. You're a spirit first. You're not a body first. You're a body last. You're not a soul first. Your soul's your mind, will, and emotions. You're a spirit first. This is a spiritual book that can only be received by people that are spiritual. The moment you're saved, you have a spirit, and your spirit comes alive. That God has meant for you to have. And the Holy Spirit joins with your spirit. That's the reason why the Bible says for those that worship God, worship in what? Spirit. That means we worship in spirit and in truth. Truth is our soul living out what our spirit is telling us. So when you read God's word, what's happening, it's reading you. That's what it's doing. It's chipping away at your life. In other words, it has it highlights attitudes that's not like the Father. See, I'm not to compare myself to you. You're not to compare yourself to me. Comparison, according to Scripture, Paul says, we are foolish to compare ourselves with humanity, that we are only to compare ourselves to Christ. So as I read the Word of God, it's sculpting me, it's reading me as I read it, and it's highlighting attitudes or mindsets. Mindsets is the same as strongholds. It's what I would I tell everybody, you hear me say it a lot, stinking thinking. That's what, when you got stinking thinking, it's a mindset and it's a stronghold because it's against the knowledge of God. God does not want you having that mindset or that thought process. And then he highlights attitudes, mindsets, habits that are taking us away from God's best. God does not want us to have things in our life that are not his best. And as we read his word, it chips away at those things through the working of the Holy Spirit and begins to sculpt our life. When you read it, you're just not getting information. You're getting spiritual power to apply the information. You know, I know a lot of people know the word, but they have not had a spiritual experience. They've made their life looking to the word, but never given their life to God. They're smart. They have a lot of knowledge, but they don't know how to live out the knowledge because they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them as a child of God does that empowers them to live God's life. Now, that's awesome. God doesn't just want us getting an information, but God wants us walking out what we've read. See, a disciple is just not a learner. But they are follower of Christ, which means they walk out what Christ walks out. See, it will help you become a better spouse or the spouse God designed you to be, a better leader, the leader God's designed you to be. It will help you distinguish anger issues, break addictions, improve your parenting, expand your faith, increase your joy. You know what this world needs to see in this day and time? Why in the world are they joyful? Why, why are they happy? Why is it that they can smile in a time when everything's negative? Second thing is God's word directs me to the place I need to be. Thousands of people had nothing in the scripture. Yet Elijah, the birds are delivering room service to him. And this whole nation starving. Here he has the word of God coming, being fed spiritually and physically. Some people probably saw him and said, you know what? God loves Elijah more than he loves me, or Elijah's just lucky. 
Could you imagine your life? Look at him. He doesn't look like he's been fasting. He looks like he's been feasting. He's probably down there and Reagan's bringing him food. God just loves him more. God just likes him more. Or he's just lucky. You know, God doesn't love Elijah more than other people. Elijah loved God's word more than other people. Favor is different when you dive into his word through your life. You know, God's no respecter of persons when it comes to salvation. After salvation, your discipleship, your determination, your you putting to work God's principles. You notice I'm not saying works, but just print. There's some principles in God's word that just works for you. When you give, God gives back. When you pray, he answers. When you get his word, he sculpts you. But if you, if you don't give, nothing's ever coming back. If you don't pray, he's never going to answer anything because you're not praying. If you don't get his word, then he can't sculpt you and change you. So there's just principles in God's word that when we work them, they work for us. If you're all the time speaking death, then you're putting a principle that God's word says when you speak death uh, over everything, death comes to your life. But when you begin to speak life over everything in your life and speak life in the thing, you can resurrect dead things in your life. So Elijah just loved God's word more than other people. There are no special advantages in the kingdom. Just simply those who are living by God's direction and those that's living by their own direction. Some people got their way, but then some people realize God's way is so much better than my way. You know how many times I try to do my way and just end up frustrated? Four or five years ago on a fast, God, just on a fast, just like this, God told me, he said, quit trying too hard. He said, you're working too hard and you're just frustrated. I'm like, okay. So I just sat back. But then I seen God do all kinds of incredible things. Because then it came to trust in him and me not trying to make something happen. When I allow God's word to direct where I go, he provides what I need. See, some people, they may need peace, may need wisdom, may need courage. And true wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is not about being smart. It's not always, always about making good decisions. Wisdom is just simply responding in the way God would have us respond in situations. Applying his knowledge that he's given us through his word and being led by the spirit to respond the way God's called us to respond. Some people would love to have peace. Do you realize as a child of God that it's one of the promises of God that God can give you peace that goes beyond all understanding, more than we can ever comprehend that he can give us peace. There's people trying to buy it every day. There's a lot of people trying to buy it last night or night before last, whenever the mega millions was going on. But even with that, it would not bring true peace. And I'll just be transparent today, and I have on this subject, but last year was a difficult year for a lot of us. I mean, it, it takes its toll on us emotionally. It's like we're fighting and making no ground. And still yet, some of that's bleeding over. But I can remember one certain morning, I was coming to the church, and I was frustrated and I was getting ready to pull into the church. I'm just talking to God. And I had my worship music on. I'm like, God, you see how frustrated I am. And just not me, but everybody around right now. We're just frustrated. And God began to speak to me. Or the Holy Spirit began to just, like, in my heart, just a small, still voice, just an impression that made so much sense, so much clarity to my spirit. And he's like, spend some time with me this morning. I went, all right. I, or he said, spend some time with me is what it was. And. I said, okay, I can do that. I was looking at my schedule. It's about 2 o'clock today. I'm free, God, is what I was thinking. I mean, it's just the way my mind went. About 2 o'clock, I mean, you'll have a good time in the office today, Lord. Or I'll go home and pray. Whatever you want, I'll take a walk in the wilderness. I don't know. In the park, I'll do so. I'll get with you, God. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I'm talking about right now. I'm like, yeah, nothing so pressing that's more important than spending time with him. So I sat in my car, car man, got my phone out on my Bible, and I just put on worship music, and I began to read it and begin to make notes of what he began to speak to me, but I allowed that moment to happen, and by me allowing that moment to happen, though going in, I was spiritually weak that morning, my mind was dull, my emotions were tender, I was running hard, seemed like for months on end, and I was just drained, but instantly the Holy Spirit came in, and he he, he touched my spirit. My emotions was renewed. My physical body was renewed. I had all of this new energy emotionally and physically just because I was willing to just take a moment.
Rehoboam and sat at the brook with the Holy Spirit and allowed the Holy Spirit to bring me the word. Even though it was through a Bible app, God was speaking to me and God wants to speak to you. But most of the time when God speaks to us, it's through his word changing our lives by the working of the Spirit. I'll be the first to tell you, it's not always getting another vacation. I love vacations. It's not another relaxing evening because I had some of those during that time, some time off and some evenings, and still yet my emotions were tender and my, 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 my frustrations were still there and my body was drained. And I was just depleted. And even though I had restful moments, that's not the rest I needed. The rest I needed was his presence. That's what we need today. We need his presence. We need his word. What you need is a time of refreshing in God. See, God directed me to the right path. If you'll allow his word to work in you, his word begins to direct your life. Throughout scripture, God's word's likened to food. So I'm going to give you two different things today. First one is bad eating habits, and then we'll get to a spiritual meal plan. How many of you would confess most of the year I have bad eating habits, right? Most of us. Seeing this funny thing on Facebook the other morning that I just, it was like 7.30, and this kid came to their mom at 7 a.m. in the morning and had a box or a carton or whatever you want to call it, a chocolate ice cream walking through the house. I'm like, that's me. Not because it's a fast, even if it wasn't a fast. Chocolate ice cream's good any time of the day. But I, I love desserts and I love all the bad foods. Anything that's bad for y'all. I like the good foods too. I love a good salad. I, I, I love it all. There's not much food that I dislike. So, but when it comes to our spiritual life, sometimes we have too much junk. If you ask your doctor about improving your health, one of the first questions they ask is about your diet. And let me ask you this today, and I've got to ask this. I want you to really listen to it. What are you taking in? Are you taking in more culture? Are you taking in more Christ? Do you have more culture coming to your life than you do Christ? Let that sit for a moment. I, I, I ask because the old saying is true. You are what you eat. You watch fear. You live in fear. I told them the 9 a.m. service, I said, Kristen's got a way of talking to these teenagers or young adults that I don't have. I mean, I connect, but she can say things so plain and they just love it. If I'd say it like that, they wouldn't like me. She's got a way of doing it, telling them how it is, right where, you know, all that. And they just still love her. If I'd said like that, like Pastor Scotty, he doesn't like anybody. But there's these kids over these years that's come to her and like, I can't sleep. I'm in fear. Why am I in fear? And first thing Kristen does, well, what are you watching? Just like that. What are you watching? Well, I've been watching some scary movies. Well, so you mean to tell me you're living in fear because you're watching demon activity float through rooms on a movie and you expect not to have fear? She says, well, I didn't think of it like that. There's your answer to me. I've been like, oh, well, you know, you really need to pray about what you watch and, you know, <laughs> and all that. But she just plain out tells them, and, it, and, it, and that's the way it is. But, you know, fear, think about our news today. It's all fear-driven. There's never good news on the news. It's always doubt, always anger today. Get away from the culture of the angry news and the fearful news because I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Because it calls you to live in what I'd call the mole grubs. I don't even know if that's proper talking, but that's what I'm going to give it to you today. But, and also, if you listen to trash, what do you do? You speak trash. If you watch all the wrong things, you're going to live that out or think about it. Think, here you go, social media. Scroll through the negativity. You scroll through negativity, you feel negativity. Amen. You go through it, negative, negative, negative. Oh, still negative. Oh, that's funny. That's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, negative, negative, negative. I can remember not long ago, I was like, this is just a few weeks ago, I was just scrolling, had nothing to do, I was sitting there, I was scrolling, I'm like, my God, i got to put this phone down, this is depressing, this is nothing but depressing uh, news today. But God's word begins to move in your life when you allow his word to come in. And 
a spiritual moment begins to happen. See, I cannot expect spiritual power when I take in more secular than I do spiritual. Now, where does that convict you today? I know where that convicts me. I know what I need to change. I, can't, I don't live your life. I'm not there. I don't know what you may need to change. And you may be the most spiritual person in the room. But I know that when I was working this mess, that God's word was hitting me and said, there's some things you need to change. Psalms 119.11 says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Notice, if you bring the word in, sin gets out. Some of you are so sick of sin, it's happening, and you want it gone. And some of you are going to be free, and, and, and once you get free, it's because you've applied his word. R.A. Torrey said, this book, talking about the Bible, will keep me from sin. Sin will keep me from this book. When you get in the book, conviction hits your life what you don't need. And even spiritual things that you need to get away from. But if you allow sin to creep in, you do not see a need for the book. His word. Second thing is we, we don't eat often enough. Like, when I go on a diet, sometimes I like to eat one meal a day, and I'd be good for a week, and my, everything crashes down, I lose the weight, because if you look at it, you're supposed to eat more than that. I mean, for me, I'd have to start if I'm eating right around noon, not eat really late at night. But we sometimes we don't eat often enough, and any dietitian would tell you your healthier people, they eat more frequently. They don't eat a lot of meals or a lot of calories or, I mean, a, a lot at one meal, but they eat just different times throughout the day, and they spread it out. But unfortunately, millions of believers suffer from Sunday scripture-only disorder. The only time they get any word is maybe on Sunday. It's a form of spiritual malnutrition. Although they're faithful attending the weekends. And we, yes, we need to be there on the weekends. But we just can't live off Sunday. We need something hidden in our life weekly. The Bible is not a once-a-week book. It's something that's intended to be part of our life every day. And even Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 11, he said, give us today our daily bread. God, give us today our word for today. Where do you want me reading, God? I'm going to start reading here and just let the Holy Spirit speak to me. There's times that I know I just need to get down. I don't know what to pray about. Don't know really what to read today because I finished one plan. One of the things that I'll go do is I'll actually begin to pray the word. What do you mean? I'll open up Psalms. I mean, it can just be something so simple. I'll just open up the Psalms and say it's Psalm 119. I just, I don't have this plan. Okay? It, it'll be like this. And I'll say, well, okay, verse 33. And I'll just do it, you know, just under my breath. And I'll begin to pray. Teach me, Lord, your ways, your statutes. And I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding. And I shall keep your law indeed. I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the paths of your commandments. I'll go to another one. I'm just flipping somewhere. Okay? It says, do not keep silent, O God, of my praise. I mean, just instantly in that moment. I begin to praise word. I go chapter after chapter. Next thing I know, I'm speaking out loud his word, speaking life, which is the word of God. And I'm praying and the Holy Spirit begins to flood the room that I'm in. Give us a day our daily bread. Each day God has a word for you. You know what it is today. The next one is this, is that we eat after other people, which I think is great. We eat after other people. Well, what do you mean? Have you ever seen people eat off each other's plates? I don't mind to split a plate with Kristen. And we'll do that. We'll go somewhere and we'll split a steak because we're getting appetizers. We can't eat all that food. So we'll get an appetizer. We'll, we'll, I'll let her pick the meal. I can eat anything. I like all food. Whatever you're feeling, baby, order. We'll eat. And, and we do that. And every now and then we may get a dessert or something, but we split it. And, but we literally split it on different plates. We're not eating off the same plate. We split it when it's clean, just fresh came out. And have you ever seen people just picking off other people's plates? I can't do that. Christy don't care. If you don't care for her eating off your plate, she don't care. She knows it's so true. I mean, I got story after story on this stuff. It's like crazy. I can remember when we was dating, she just picked off my plate. I'm like, I don't like that. 
After months, safe now. We love each other. I love you enough that I may break your arm one day. Don't touch my butt. Right? So, and I don't like buffets. Of course, COVID, there's no buffets open. You're like, why don't you like buffets? I don't I mean, I think of all the snot and breathing. Before COVID, I was thinking all that. Going over there. And if I'm the first person at the buffet line, that's cool. But when everybody's over and you don't know, you'll never look at a buffet the same if they open again. But it's a struggle for me with physical food on that. But I suppose you can look at this the same way spiritually. It's good to listen to podcasts. It's good to listen to other preachers. I do all week long. But you're listening to what, some, what God has spoken to someone else. That could be for a lot of people, but it may not be geared just for you specifically. All right? I suppose it could be the same. You're eating off someone else's plate. That you need to get your own word and your own meal and allow God speak to you in his way for your life. Now let me explain you to this. Remember Adam and Eve, right? They's in the garden, perfect life, paradise, no death, no pain, no calories. God's only request was not to eat from a specific tree. God told Adam in Genesis 2, 16, 17, says, And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now watch this. He said, but... You must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All he did is say eat from that tree. He said, but when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, after this, the enemy comes in and tries to make man fall. We know that he is persuaded and it happens. But God had a request to Adam, and the enemy does so questioning what Eve had heard and what Adam had said. And he begins to twist it. And Eve has her own story. It's just not the twisting of the enemy, but she has her own story because she's going off someone else's word from God. And it says this, Eve to the serpent, all right? Genesis 3, 2 and 3 says, The woman said to the serpent, We may not eat from the tree. Uh, we, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. That's correct. But this is where she misses it. He's, and she said, and you must not touch it or you will die. God did not tell Adam not to touch it. Whether Adam had told her that or she had developed her own thing. But she probably went off the word of Adam and Adam was like, don't get near that tree. You can't eat it. I tell you what, Eve, don't even touch it. <laughs> so she went off his word. See, what was it? It was a mistake. She based her relationship off of someone else's relationship. You don't need to base your relationship with God off of someone else's. Eve took Adam's word for it, and instead of hearing God's word for herself, she became susceptible to the enemy. Here's a pastor confession today. I cannot hear from God for you. I hear from God with you. But specifically details of your life, that's between you and the Lord. God's used me in spiritual gifts. To, I mean... It's just, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll use you in spiritual gifts like words of knowledge and wisdom. If God ever gave me a word for you in your life, it's not something new that you're not heard. It's to confirm what God's already said to you or dealt with you about. You'll be like, God's been speaking it to me. He spoke it to me three months ago. And he still continues to say it. And all it is, God used that spiritual gift to come by to bring exhortation and encouragement to confirm what he's already spoken. But God would never tell me to go up to you and say, you're called to preach, but you've never heard that before. You're called to do this, but you've never heard. God does not use people to call people into things that God's not already spoken to your life. Don't come to the music today. Now I want to give you your best meal plan. Your best year meal plan. Think of your time with God like a meal plan. You'll do that, you'll be more likely to catch it than I need to eat today. Even when you're fasting, you're taking in some water. You need to go on a total fast, you're just taking in water and making some broth. At least you're taking something in, but you remind your, your body saying to me, your spirit man is saying, I need some time. I need something to intake. So here's the first one is a daily date. We make dates for oil changes. We make dates for people to come in their office and meet with us. We make dates to go see people for haircuts. How much important, more important is it to set a daily time with the God of the universe? What, what time should I give God? When you are at your best. 
I can remember a few years ago, I'm full of confessions today, but I love being transparent when I got the moment. Kristen looked at me and, man, we was just busy. Church was just crazy busy. Life's busy. And I, I love the work. So I, I'm easily sucked into it. And she said, everybody's getting the best of you, but we don't get it. I said, you're right. And it wasn't an argument. I mean, I didn't like what she said, but she's right. So everybody's getting the best, but, you know, you're not, and Ethan's not. And they're important, but do you realize that God is even more important than my spouse? Your best should go to God first and then to your spouse and then to your kids and then to your job. That's where your best should go. My best is in the morning. Your best may be 3 in the afternoon and maybe 11 o'clock at night. But what is your best? Give God your best. And then the second thing is devour. Start with God's presence and worship, then move to God's word. That's what I always do. I always put on some soft music, and I just go into study. The whole time I'm studying scripture, I like to have some sort of music. Unless i got people coming in and out of the office. That way, I, I'm not so engaged if they hear a knock. But, when I, man, I want to engage. The Psalms 104 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving to his courts with praise. Remember, God was already here before you got here. He was with you and in you when you woke up and in your house. So automatically, everywhere you go, God's there. So you enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter his courts with praise. Whenever we worship, what happens? It opens the lines of communication with God. When I start out before I even read, I'm like, God... I love you. I'm so thankful that you're in my life and have allowed this relationship with you. I just worship you. And then I get to my devotion or the word and scripture. And I read the Bible. And I have to tell you, it's not for quantity, but it's for quality. It's not about getting 10 chapters in today. I mean, I'm going to speed read. I've got 15 chapters in today. But you don't even know what you read. How much should I take in? Take your time. Set an atmosphere for, for the presence of God just for a moment. Read until something begins to spark. And then back off. And just think about it. That's when we digest it. When you spent time with God, you made a daily day, you begin to devour it. Something begins to spark and quicken your spirit. Then that third one is you just digest it. See, it's reading and reflecting. It's not looking at notifications first. It's not looking at emails first. It's not being bombarded for information, but it's just allowing time to digest it. When you eat, what did your parents tell you when you were a kid? They don't go outside and run, get sick, give your food time to digest, can't get in the pool. Got to get a time to digest. Meditation is that moment before you jump in life in the pool or go play outside, you gave the food time to digest. You spiritually let the word of God digest in your life. See, life change begins to happen when we do this. And the last thing we do is we, we just simply do it. What do you mean that we do it? When you read the Bible, you're just not learning it. You're becoming it. See, this, this is the Bible, or this is the represent the Bible, rather. I forgot this Bible at home I wanted to bring this morning, and I just took off and forgot. But I had this New King James Version Bible. It's burgundy. And I had to buy another one because it's falling apart. And this was before the days. I got this Bible back when I was like 18 years old. It's the Bible that I knew confirmed my confirmation to preach. It's the Bible that I read through so much that convicted me to live the life that I did and walked. That Bible, if you've seen it today, it's scary to handle. It's all loose and pages are bent. And then I bought another one just like it replaced. I took that old Bible and I put it in the case of the new Bible. And the new Bible's really kind of worn too. But why are you saying that is that Bible to me is priceless. Because I can remember writing messages that God would give me from me reading out of that Bible. Though it's just the Bible, I can get another one. But it was that Bible that had my fingerprints all over. I could be at revival not knowing what to preach. And 11 o'clock in the day, God began to speak to me something just for that church. 
whether I was in Kansas or Virginia or Kentucky or northern West Virginia or right here in our own county, when I was holding revivals full time, I preached so many messages out of that. Also, it was the Bible that convicted me to pray for my spouse every night. And what to pray. I'm like, God, what should I pray for a spouse? So she's got to be pretty. She ain't pretty. I'm not going to God. I don't care what you say. I, she's got to be pretty, you know? But then God began to put up on my heart. He's like, you're in the ministry. These are the things that every night I make this list from God's word. And everything I pray in that list is Kristen. She asked me the other day, did you leave anything out of that list? I said, sometimes I think I did. Just joking. But the second thing is, is I wouldn't be in the ministry today because when there was times that I wanted to tap out, even before I was married, I'm like, man, this is just crazy. It's, it's nuts. It's hard. It's frustrating. That isn't that Bible. In the devotion time, God said, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Oh, there may be times you want to quit something. That it's your call. It's your duty. But the word of God comes in and convicts and works and says, this is where I need to be. And then finally, I wouldn't be free from sin. It was out of that Bible that God kept chipping the sin out of me. And the mindset that was contrary to the word of God, that God began to speak to my life with revelation knowledge of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need his word. His name is great. Do you hear me pray it all the time? The psalmist said, you even hold your word above your name. And at the name of Jesus, devils trembled and devils are cast out. At the name of Jesus, the lepers are cleansed. At the name of Jesus, even the winds and the waves got to obey him. That at the name of Jesus, I can speak to that mountain, be cast into the sea, and be moved in its mood. And that's just at his name. But his word is held higher and stronger and more powerful than his Get the word in you. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, My word, I sent it out, and it always produces fruit. It shall accomplish all I want it to and prosper everywhere I send it. Oh, he's sending his word in you. He's prospering things. He's bringing fruit in you. He's producing. How could it be the best year ever? Because I've never dug into his word like I'm going to this year. How is it going to be the best year ever? Because my faith is going to be bigger than everything else in my life. Because the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why sometimes I read it out loud, pray it out loud. Listen to it every way that I can so that my faith will grow. How is this going to be the best year ever? Because I'm going to be speaking the word of God before I even know it. Used to, I would speak frustration and anger. And I would speak things that brought death. But before I know it, I took in the word and I began to speak things that were not as though they were. I began to speak life in the dead things. I began to pray for sick people. I began to speak life into my community and neighborhood. I began to love people more that I don't even know what overcame me, but I am loving them even more. Why? Because the best year ever. And I'm taking in the word of God better this year. And I have it. Let's give him a clap. I got a little excited. What is God? What, what, what is he speaking to? I can hear God with you, but not for you exactly. I preach his word for the house of what God would have that day, but everyone individually in a different place receiving the word of God. What is the word speaking to you today? What is it when you do get in his presence that God continues to bring up in your spirit? And it bubbles. See, culture will pop the bubbles of the spirit. But the more the word you put in you, the more those bubbles just begin to come up. And the more they sell over bubbles, but now it's rivers of living water. God has a brook just for you. you stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed today. 
whether you're watching online or you're in person with us today and God's dealing with you, maybe he's convicting you. Maybe you say, you know, I need to give my heart to the Lord. I'm not where I need to be with God. I need to rededicate my life. I need to give my heart over to God. If that's you today, if you're here, whether in person or online, if you're online, just give us the wave hand or say, I need prayer. A prayer team will connect with you. But in person today, if that's you, will you just raise your hand up and down real quick? Say, I want to give my life back to God. I want to rededicate. I want to make things right. Lord, God bless that hand. Hands up and down real quick. Bless that hand. Any other hands? It's two hands. Any other hands? Just up and down. So I'm just renewing my relationship. I'm rededicating. And maybe you're online today and you pray this prayer with us. We all want to pray it together here in a moment. If there's anyone else, just hand up and down. Don't want to take a long time, but I just don't want to miss anybody who the Holy Spirit is working with today. All right, here we go. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Whether you're online or in person today, let's pray this prayer together. Here we go. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying for me, for giving your life for me. Jesus, today, I want to live my life for you every day to let your spirit work for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for people coming back two more in this service? We had one person come to the Lord in the first. So it's three people, whether it's first time, rededications, people giving their heart to the Lord. The Word of God works in us. It does such powerful things. And when you speak the Word and live the Word, it works for you. It's just simplest principles in your life. I just want you to know I thank God for you today. How many of you would say, I got a special need today? You'd like, I got some things going on, Pastor. I've been fasting. I got some things that I'm praying for. Will you put your hand up and down real quick? Then we're going to do this song. What I want to do is I want to pray over that. I want to pray over your needs today. Whether it's with your job, whether it's with your physical body, whether it's emotional. I just want to pray over your needs today. I know you've been laying on the altar. So we're going to join with you in this moment. And we're going to pray as they lead us in worship today. Pray with those in the house. Or just sing with them up here today. But let's just engage for a moment longer. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.